ways that we can help them. Not the only way, but one of the ways we can help people is to prophesy, is to carry prophetic words for people. So you've got to be convinced that it's something not only that is helpful, but to desire it is a right thing. Now, you might have heard the, what I call a myth. It's like, you want to um, seek the giver and not the gift. Well, I mean, that sounds really spiritual, but the Bible says seek the gifts. And it doesn't mean seek the gifts despite the giver. That's, that, I mean, that's an either-or scenario that the Bible doesn't create, so I don't think we should create a scenario the Bible doesn't create. Paul said to a church, the Corinthian church, who was mishandling gifts of the Holy Spirit, he said to those people, he said, follow the way of love, do everything you're doing in love that's having their best interest in mind, but eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. You know, it's interesting because I think that we would probably have said something different. We would, we would want to prune their tree a little bit. Like, hey, you know, you should kind of tone it down a little bit. You guys are a little wild. <laughs> you know, you Pentecostals are like, you know, you're overshooting heaven. We got to kind of bring you back. <laughs> you know, it's like you guys are going to miss out here. But, but you understand, we're, we're, we're trying to tell people, I feel like in a critical society, we're always saying, well, they're not right, and they're a little off, and they're a little this, and they're a little... I, I, what if they're desiring spiritual gifts, they're hungering after something, and they might be mishandling it, so they need to prune it back a little bit, but there's nothing wrong with people hungering and desiring spiritual gifts. Paul said to a church that was mishandling spiritual gifts to continue to eagerly desire. It seems like it's, it's something that a lot of people wouldn't say to them, in my opinion. They wouldn't find that to be wisdom, and yet Paul did. So do we desire to prophesy, to minister prophetically? Do we understand why we would desire to do that? But here's the thing, desire is not enough. You can desire to prophesy or even minister in spiritual gifts, but that's not enough. A hunger and a desire is not enough. We've gotta follow through with what it takes to grow in these kinds of things so that we have something to offer people. Without wisdom, without principles, without practice, we're not gonna know what to do, we're not gonna know how to do it. I can remember, this is where we start kind of cross-pollinating with the concept of discipleship. Jesus said to the disciples, uh, he said to them, go make disciples. And that's the reality of what this class is, is about. This class isn't discipleship. Teaching is one component of discipleship. But this class in and of itself is not discipleship. You have to walk with people. People have asked me for a long time now, how do you do this and how do you do that? And I'm like, stand next to me while I prophesy over people. Stand next to me while I pray over people. I can remember going to camps and I would always take, I always have taken people with me and I would do these large youth camps. And there would be like 400, 500 kids and 100 leaders as well. And I would tell the kids, listen, my session is over. They usually give me like 30, 40 minutes in a youth camp. And I would say a lot of things where the kids were like, whoa, dude. And I would say, hey, listen, it's lunchtime, but if you're willing to come outside, it's like 100-degree weather. Isn't that awesome? It's 100-degree weather. If you're willing to come outside, um, I'll pray over anybody that will come outside. I shared with them stories, kind of give them an appetite for what God does, what God will do and can do. And as I did that, I mean, I would have at minimum one-third of the camp. These are young people. These are junior high, high schoolers. One-third, we're talking 100 to 200 kids at times would come out and have me lay hands on them and pray for them. And it was amazing what the Lord would do and how he would challenge them and encourage them. It was really, really powerful. But, you know, I'm just saying that I would take people with me <clears throat> and I would have them walk with me through these lines and pray over people. And as God would speak to us, we would just say what God was saying. And it didn't have to be profound and it didn't come with God told me to tell you. We would just say, 
hey, do you have a sister? Yes. Oh, okay. Is she going through some turmoil right now? Yeah. Are you, are you grieved about that? Are you, are you, do you have some, are you losing sleep over that? Yeah. You know, God wants to take that off you and turn you into a man or woman of prayer, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. People would just break down. It was awesome. And, and as I would walk with people, all of a sudden I would have them do it. And as they started doing it, you know, by the third or fourth person, it's like the waterfall turned on and they would begin to prophesy. Because it's not about how gifted you are and it's not about how amazing you are. It's not even about how much you know. A lot of it really comes down to are you willing to take a step and do this? Are you willing to say what comes to your mind and even be wrong at times? We'll, we'll talk about making mistakes and what we do with that. But I can, people that take the restraints off and the limitations, I can work with people like that. It's amazing because desire is not enough. You've got to be willing to practice and you've got to be willing to step out and you've got to be willing to learn and grow and read the scriptures about this stuff. Study it to see that what I'm saying is true or even what is in scripture, what it says for us. Now, I want to give you, it's on your notes, I want to give you a little bit about the process of growing in the prophetic. Now, this is, I've shared this before in other contexts. Some of you have heard this if you've been around me. And this is what I believe is the process for us to grow in the prophetic gift or in prophesying. And the first stage, if you want to call it that, or the first um, place of growing is introduction. We're introduced to the prophetic gift in ministry. <clears throat> Sometimes people will come to our class or our school or whatever, and it's the first time they've ever heard of it or seen it or whatever, and, and as I travel around, the same thing. Maybe you picked up a book, somebody invited you, or somebody gave you a book, you saw somebody, uh, hopefully not on television, but you understand, I mean, there was some introduction that happened to the prophetic gift. And as a result of that, you know, maybe you grew to the next place, which was, is what I call information. This is where we learn about the prophetic. We read the scriptures, the, uh, we, we listen to teachings, and, um, and, and we read the prophets in the Old Testament. And beyond that, to grow beyond information is demonstration. We actually observe it. We see somebody prophesy. How many of you have seen somebody prophesy? Yeah, okay. I'd say all of us. Well, you're in the right place. All right. So we see somebody demonstrate this gift of prophecy, this ability that God gives through the Holy Spirit. And so that, I believe, when we see it, that's when we start to desire it. If you don't see it, then there's going to be a lack of desire. You don't desire what you don't see. It's very true. And then we move on. Hopefully we move on from that because it builds a hunger inside of us. We move on to application. This is where we would pursue the prophetic, learn to pray, listen, journal, hear for ourselves. I was, Stephen, I'm going to use you as, as an example if that's okay. I, 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 you, how can you say no right now because I just put you on the spot? But he came up to me on Sunday, and remember last week I told you guys to get out a journal and just start writing names down. Does anybody remember, remember me telling you? How many of you did that? Okay, all right, that's messed up, guys. <laughs> I told you to, um, and you should do it this week, because you didn't, most of you. Take out a journal during your prayer time and write names down that are on your heart. Ask God to speak to you over those names. And Stephen did that, and he said stuff was coming to him, and then it, either you texted or you called those people. I did this for years. That's all I ever did. I, I used to go to Juanita Beach, and that was my, my sanctuary. That was my place that I would go pray at 6, 6.30 in the morning. And I would have this journal, and I'd write down names. And as I started praying over those names, stuff would come out of my mouth, and I would write that stuff down. Things would come to my mind. I would write it down. Things would come to my heart. I'd write it down. And then I would send emails or text messages, or I'd give people a phone call. We should try that once in a while, give people an actual 
phone call instead of a, right, amen? We should try the personal thing. But anyways, I, I actually would call people, and they would say to me all the time, man, what you're saying couldn't be more timely. I can't believe you would call and say that right now. I would hear that. I've heard that hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times just from the journal thing. Here's the thing. If you want to prophesy, all you got to do is start praying for people. That's it. Here, here's my personal opinion, okay? And you can disagree with this if you want to, privately in your heart. This is my personal opinion. <clears throat> I actually believe that the majority of God's people don't pray. That's what I believe. I believe the majority of God's people don't pray. And the reason why a lot of what I'm talking about becomes unfamiliar is because we're not transacting in the spiritual realm on a regular basis anyways. Because when you pray, you're not just doing a natural thing, you're actually pressing into a supernatural spiritual realm. And you know that's true because when you read the Bible, you read scriptures like Daniel. What do you do with that when Daniel was praying for something to happen and 21 days later an angel comes and says, hey, I, we heard you, God heard you from the day you started praying, but we were hindered in responding to your request. When he started praying, something happened in the spirit that he couldn't see. Sometimes our prayers are delayed for reasons that we have no idea about. But that's why, I mean, there's a resistance for you and I to be a people of prayer. I mean, I think people can read the Bible a whole lot easier than they can pray because people can interpret the Bible however they want to. That's how we have so many interpretations. That's why people can walk away and believe what they want and still have no fruit in their life. And I don't even know how they're okay with that, right? I don't know how we're okay with that. I like to challenge people, including myself, challenge us to walk like Jesus. We need to challenge each other. Yeah, it's by grace, but we need to apprehend that grace and see it fruitful and working in our lives and not lie about it, you know, not justify the fact that there's no fruit. But I think it's important that when we get to this place of, like, application that we do simple things. And really, it's the simple things that bring you into a new spiritual dimension. It's very practical, but you start transacting spiritually and it just doesn't seem like that until you start telling someone what you believe God told you and they go, I can't believe you would say that to me right now. And you're like, Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know, totally. God's awesome. God's good. You know, and you just start to all of a sudden get encouraged because God's using you, and it just didn't seem like some sci-fi experience. It was actually just because of your obedience. You were obedient to pray over someone's name. And because you did that, instead of watching a television show or going to get a bagel or something, you just decided, this is what I'm going to do. Because you did that, God will use you. I mean, what if that's what God's like? What if the reason that God uses more these people over them is because these people will sit in their knowledge and these guys will do something with it? I think that's a, a decent thought. The last phase of growth is what I call integration. So, you know, you've been introduced, you've been informed, you've seen it demonstrated, you've been applying it to some degree, but now it's integration. And this is where we learn to really just prophesy over people in our regular life. I call it going cellular, right? <clears throat> I mean, if you can imagine, if I had like a, I'm in a phone with a wire on it. I know we don't really see those anymore, but you're really restricted. You can't move around very much. I remember back in the day when we had a phone, had a wire on it, and we would have this really long telephone cord. And so you could like go into the next room, shut the door, and stuff it underneath the door because there's a little bit, right? We would try to get as far away from mom and dad as we could so we could get on the phone and have that 
phone call we probably shouldn't have been having anyways. But you remember that we would just go to the store, go to, go to Radio Shack and buy a longer cord. <laughs> I'm going to get a cord that will go to the neighbor's house or whatever. I mean, they started making these cords that were sold. But either way, you're still restricted. You're restricted to hearing uh, and having that conversation to a certain location. But then how many of you know they got the 900 megahertz cordless phones? Anybody remember when those came out? Oh, man, and they went to like 2.8 gigahertz, right? That was exciting. Everybody, this store called Fry's opened up. It was like, whoa, what is this place? You just get lost in there. Everybody ends up buying something they don't need. Okay, so I did, <laughs> truthfully. And then it went from like 2.8 to like 5.6, and you could actually be at the neighbor's house. I, I can honestly tell you, I remember being like down the street going, man, this phone is awesome. I was down the street when those things came out, and I, I bought my parents, I think it was a 5.6 gigahertz cordless phone so that they could, they have a large house so they could go upstairs and there wouldn't be uh, any static, and, and I, they may have it to this day, I don't know, but... But we had, you, you could move around, right? But then we get wireless phones or cellular phones and we can be anywhere and we can talk to anyone at any time. And prophetically, this is what I, I'm saying, what we want to do is we want to grow to the place we start in the church. You know, we start prophesying, hearing the voice of God and prophesying over people where it's comfortable. You know, that's like that phone that has a cord attached to it. But then how many of you know you want to grow beyond that because the whole goal is lifestyle. I mean, the whole goal is lifestyle. And so then you start prophesying a little bit more in like a small group or some kind of place like your home or whatever. But the goal is to go cellular, integration, where you are a person that prophesies. You could be at Walmart. You could be at your job. You could be anywhere. And you hear the voice of God, and you're sharing what he's saying to you. And you're learning more and more how to do that everywhere, anywhere, to anyone. That's the goal here. It's like evangelism. I love the fact that people do outreach. That's great. You know, on Saturday between 2 to 4, we meet here and we go on outreach. God bless you. But if you don't learn to live a life of outreach, it's not a lifestyle. And at some point, you'll stop doing the thing that Jesus called you to do as a way of life. He said, be a witness, not go and witness. You'll receive the Holy Spirit, the power of the Spirit, to be my witnesses. We are a 24-7 representation of Jesus Christ in the world that we live. You're either a good one or a bad one. It's the truth. And so we're not trying to do something. We're trying to learn how to become a kind of people that manifest Christ in both natural and supernatural ways. So integration is our goal. What we're seeking here is to be equipped so that we can be this kind of a people. But what it takes from us is a level of discipline that may make us a little bit uncomfortable. But we've got to give stuff up so that we can apprehend what God's called us to. That's just the way it is. Without sacrifice, there's no way for us to grow in the things of the Spirit. There's no way. Remember I ta taught you a little bit, uh, maybe it was a few weeks ago, about discerning God's voice. And my first principle was present your bodies. And my point was without surrender, you will always be confused as to what God is saying. Without surrendering your heart, your mouth, your eyes, your ears, without surrender, you're always going to be, I'm always going to be confused as to what God is saying. You remember my analogy? Does anybody remember how I was talking about relationships? Or was that a 6 p.m. service? I don't remember at this point. But I was talking about how sometimes people will, I don't know what the deal is, but like, oh, I'm really in love with this person. And you start to kind of ask them questions about who that person is. Oh, is that person this the person talking to me is a Christian. Is that person a Christian? No. Okay, you're in love with them. What do you love about them? Oh, they're just so nice and 
you know, they're just really nice and nice looking, and they're really nice, and, and I just really like the way that they treat me, and I'm like, you know, that's, I mean, that's all like dates. That's just a date. That's not, the, like, have you asked their value system? Do you know what they believe? Well, no, but, you know, I just, I, you know. Well, they don't believe in Jesus, so how's that going to go for it? You know, it's like all of a sudden, I'm trying to not talk them out of, like, really being into this person, but I'm trying to show them a biblical paradigm because clearly they're not thinking that way, but because their heart isn't surrendered, they can't hear the voice of God. And so people will say things to me like, I'm really seeking God as to his will on this relationship. I'm like, just open the Bible. Don't, it's really clear already. You don't have to seek the voice of God like some spiritual experience when the Bible is already very clear. But because we are not surrendered to, to God in our heart, we're not going to hear the voice of God in our life. See, I have this scenario happen all the time where people come up to me, and I don't mean to, you know, use the people that are maybe looking to me as a pastor as an example, but I'm saying this is just constant. Um, our whole life has to be surrendered to God. I, I, I've been using this principle more and more. I used to teach on the prophetic and not talk about surrender as much, but I realized that people would come here, they would, they would learn, they would prophesy, they would minister because God's Holy Spirit, he'll use any of us, right? doesn't matter what, I mean, what you did last night or what you did before you came. He'll use you. The Holy Spirit will use you. But it doesn't mean that you have character. And I realize that we can go and live like a crazy life, but then we can come here and then be used of God. But then we go out there and we're not changed and we're not living any differently. And so if we want to carry this, if we want to be a messenger with a message, we've got to be a people that are integrating it into our life. And that means sacrificing something for becoming this kind of a person. I'll tell you this, though. When you're a prophetic person and you learn, not necessarily like you're just this radical all the time, even at your job. I'm not answering every question you might have on this, but when you're a person that's prophetic, I'll tell you what, you'll see God open more doors to share the gospel than almost anything else. I call it the best on-ramp to the freeway of someone's heart. I mean, really, it's amazing. And you see it in the scriptures, but when you start to tell somebody something you could not know unless the Holy Spirit showed you, they go, how did you know that? And you just automatically talk about a risen Christ, a living God. It's just an easy transition. We call it prophetic evangelism. I'll share more next week about that. But the, the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 5, when Paul was talking about spiritual gifts to the Romans, he says, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each one is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith. And is it amazing that spiritual gifts function or operate by faith? It's always about what you believe. What do you believe? I, I last week talked to you more about, do you believe that you can prophesy? That's what it says in Acts chapter 2. It's what it says in 1 Corinthians 14 where he says, earnestly desire, eagerly desire spiritual gifts, but especially the gift of prophecy. That's an open invitation to anybody that could hear that with open ears. Eagerly desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. I meet people all the time that say it's not my gift. See, they've already limited themselves on what they can do based on what they think. And I go, well, why don't you tell me your theology on spiritual gifts? It's always extremely poor. It's extremely poor theology. But you have to go through our spiritual gifts class to go through that. Paul says it twice for people to pursue the greater gifts. He says it two times. It's an open invitation for you and I to receive from God what people need 
and we could carry that for those people. I'm not saying you don't have certain gifts. You do. We went through that for 10 weeks. We have resident gifts, but these are manifestational gifts. God will give us manifestational gifts, and when the need arises for us to use those gifts, we can, but you have to be equipped. You have to know how to drive a stick shift, or it's going to be a disaster when you have to in an emergency, right? It's like my dad used to always say, um, everybody should learn how to drive a stick shift because you never know when you need it. Well, that's the point of what we're saying is you have to learn and be equipped on these things. Even if it's not your primary gift, it is a function of the Holy Spirit that he'll use you in, but you got to believe that. So if I can't bypass a thinking, if you have a restriction in your mind, you have to bypass that with what the Bible teaches, which is eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you might prophesy. It's an open invitation right there. And it's really not difficult, it's just as I've taught you before, it's listening to the Lord, and it's praying over someone, and then turning that prayer into a prophetic word. That's all it really is, it's that simple. You guys with me so far? Okay, good. So, everybody's in agreement, this is so good. All right, number, number two, or three, or wherever I'm at here, I want to talk to you for a little bit about environments for growing in the prophetic. We have to recognize that you've got to be in the right environment to grow in hearing the voice of God and uh, and the prophetic gift. You say, Ben, why would you say that? Because, I mean, silly illustration, but oranges don't grow like in my backyard, western Washington. They just don't, all right? Where do they grow? Florida, California, Florida, Texas. Come on, somebody. Texas. Why? Because the climate, the environment is conducive. The temperature, the climate, it's conducive for those things to grow. Apples can grow in my backyard. The climate, the environment is conducive for them to grow there. If you're a part of a church, and I'm not downing any church, but if you're a part of a place and they don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit, they don't practice the gifts of the Spirit, you never hear about the gifts of the Spirit, you never see the gift of prophecy, guess what? That's not an environment for that to grow. It doesn't mean that it's restrictive, like you can't necessarily do it, but in my experience, when people come into an environment that is conducive for something like what I'm talking about to grow, you start to grow in those things. So if I can keep you, if you give me, listen to me, if you give me six weeks, you show up and you sit here, you take notes, you do what I tell you to do, I'm telling you, you'll grow. I know you'll grow, but I can't get everybody to do that. I can't even get everybody to get off their phone half the time. Listen to me. I know this is, I'm going to push you a little bit. I can't even get people to take steps half the time. But if I can get you to take some steps, if I can get you to plant yourself long enough, right, in good soil for, for that nurturing and that watering, I'm telling you, you'll take steps, you'll grow. And that really, that really goes for anything. That goes for any church and any emphasis that they have, and they're trying to help the people of God grow in any way. But we have a committal issue, right? We have this commitment issue, and it's very difficult for us to stay committed at times. But if you stay committed, if you stay planted, you will grow. It's just a matter of fact. You will grow if you stay planted. But if you go from place to, that's why when people ask me, I know I'm touching some things here. When people ask me, or when they come, and they don't have a home church, I'll look them in the face and tell them straightforward. If you don't have a home church, you're not going to grow really that much at all. You just won't. You can't even practice a large portion of the New Testament. It's the truth. I mean, the Bible says serve one another, be kind to one another, love one another. How can you do that without having a proximity to God's people? And you can't look me in the face and say, well, I got my girlfriend or I got my boyfriend or I got my spouse. I mean, you know, you got to have more people than that. you got to have people that you don't like very much. 
I mean, it's, ama- right? it's amazing how people are like, oh, the people there aren't very nice. It's a great place for you to be like, Jesus. I mean, it, it, see, because the assumption on the other side of that is that I need to find a place where everybody's nice. Is that reality? No. See, I mean, we say something and it automatically implies the opposite, which we know is not true, so we don't say that, but we'll say they weren't really nice there. See, the question is, where does God want you? Not how do people treat you, because you're not responsible for how other people treat you. You're responsible for how you respond to what's going on around you. And if things going on around you affect what's on the inside of you, ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, you're not as strong as you might think you are. If what's going on around you and what people say to you affects what's inside of you, I'm telling you, you've got a long way to go in your growth in Jesus and who he says you are. You've got to get that fixed on the inside of you. If Jesus gave you your peace, then nobody in the world should be able to take it from you because he's not taking it back. So why in the world can somebody else take from you what Jesus gave to you? So we got to get that thing rooted inside of us. And one of the ways, the primary ways that happens is becoming part of a local community where we put our roots down deep. For some of us, a lot of us, it's not here. It's wherever your church is. But you've got to put your roots down deep and you will start to grow. And environments that are conducive for growth are places where it's free, it's open. We're teaching about it. We're instructing people. I mean, in just a few minutes, we're actually going to prophesy. We're going to pray for each other and we're going to prophesy. That's what we're going to do. And that's not normal church, right? That's not what you normally do when you go to church because they just, you, you, you worship a little bit, you put money in the offering, maybe, fill out a connect card, sit down, you listen to somebody, and then you leave, and then you come back next week. That's what church is for a lot of the Western world, right? That's not church in the New Testament. And we can change that by becoming people that are, are learning and growing in environments doesn't mean that you have to go change your church or join somebody else's church. But if you're, gonna, if you're a part of a local church, then you need to plant yourself where you are and get involved in some way and start to grow. But in my experience, good environments for growth are the way in which these things develop in our, in our life. That's why we have this, like, it's school and these classes is so that people from other churches can come here and grow and learn in things that maybe they don't have at their church as well. And it's not saying that their church isn't doing great things. They are. They're doing great things that we're not doing. I honor the body of Christ. There's a lot of stuff that we, we're totally horrible at that other, other churches are doing amazing at, right? I get that. But that's one of the reasons why I think this doesn't grow is because the environment isn't conducive. It's not a good environment for it to grow, like apples and oranges or whatever, 1 Samuel 19, verse 20, in the Old Testament, you'll see like schools of the prophets. This is what it says in 1 Samuel. Then Saul sent messengers to take David, but when they saw the company of the prophets prophesying, with Samuel standing and presiding over them, the Spirit of God came upon the messengers of Saul, and they also prophesied. Isn't that amazing? Even in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, the messengers were sent out from Saul, and they they came upon the, the company of prophets who were just prophesying. And as they came close to them, they couldn't help it. The Spirit of God came upon them, and they started prophesying as well. Isn't that amazing? It's an environment that has something going on that's of spiritual dimension. It's the, the Holy Spirit is moving, and when you come into that environment and you yield yourself to it, you're going to be doing those kinds of things as well. It's just the way it works. There's, um, I, I went to uh, recently a friend of mine, John Hammer, and I went to uh, Reinhard Bonnke's fire school of evangelism 
and I'm not an evangelist, but I evangelize, right? So I wanted to be equipped, and I just thought, God, I want to do whatever I got to do. I'm going to go sit under whoever I can. I'll pay money. I'll travel across the world. So we went to Florida, where they do grow oranges. So we went, John and I went to Florida, and we sat uh, for a whole week. We got to be with Reinhard Bonnke and Daniel Kalenda and Todd White and all these guys. And it was expensive, and it was awesome, and it was expensive, and it was, you know. But I wanted to be equipped in evangelism. I want to share the gospel with passion, with power, with penetration. That's where I'm at. I want to be equipped, right? And I went to an environment that was good for that to grow in my life. And I'm telling you, it did. And I've had fruit as a result of me doing the very thing that I'm telling you to do as well in whatever the issue that you want to grow. I did that, and I'm telling you, there was fruit as a result of that. I came half an hour early. I was up close as much as I could. I was taking that seriously. I'm going to tell you what I did, and and I haven't always done this in my life, but I took it very seriously. Me and John would get there early, and I mean, I'd walk around and pray in the spirit. I didn't know what to pray. I just, God, I came here to grow. I put two requests out before the Lord. Here's two things that I want, God. I want to grow in these two areas of my life, and whatever I got to do to do that, I'll do it. Just tell me what I need to do, and so we'd come early, and we would stay late, and When they laid hands on us, I went to the back room, and I just had an encounter with God, and I cried out to God, God, I want to lead people to Christ. I want people that are dead to come alive. I want family and friends, and I want this whole region to come to Jesus, and so when they laid hands on me, I took it seriously. It wasn't like, oh, thanks, I'm going to go get a Twix, you know? I mean, it was like, (laughs) you know, does a Coke come with this impartation, or let's go to Starbucks again, you know, for the third time. I mean, I took it seriously. And, it was, and, and, and I received as a result of that because there's something about coming into the company of other people that are exercising this at a level that you're not and you come and yield under that environment and it causes you to excel like you, like you can't on your own. I'm telling you, this the way it is. It's the anointing of God. It's not their anointing. It's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And these people are, they're creating an environment where there's no restrictions like there are in other places. Amen. There are bad environments. Many places that don't believe in the prophetic. They don't like the prophetic. They don't want the prophetic. They don't care about the prophetic. And it's not hard to see why things don't grow in those environments. You know, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19, Paul said this to the Thessalonians. He said, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances. But examine everything careful and hold fast to that which is good. Why would he say to them, don't quench the spirit, and what's connected to that, don't despise prophetic utterances? Why would he say that? Because in this city, they had people that came, and they were called prophets. They called themselves self-proclaimed prophets, and they said to them that the Lord had already returned. Matter of fact, if you ever hear a sermon on the rapture, you hear about it from 1 Thessalonians. Because Paul was giving them a clear doctrine that Jesus had not returned. Why did he have to tell them that? Because they had people that were called prophets that came in and told them Jesus had already returned. And they were prophesying lies. And so what this church did is they said, anybody that comes in here that's a prophet or prophesies, we're not going to listen to them. Because we've already gone down that road and it didn't lead us to the right place. And couldn't you say that a lot of churches today do that when they see something In the name of Jesus that's abused, they just shut it down entirely and say, we're not going to deal with it, and we become cessationists, either by theology or by practice. We're not going to talk about that. We don't want anybody to do that. 
This isn't a place for that. People get freaked out by that. I have had people tell me, Ben, if you talk about the stuff you talk about, people that don't know Jesus won't come to your meetings. And I have had the exact opposite happen. It is fear that tells us that. Are you telling me? Listen, in, a, in an age of, of this new age stuff that's going on and psychics and mediums and spiritists, I just went down to Halloween Town in St. Helens and there was five to 10,000 people that gathered to celebrate Halloween. You're telling me in a, in a time where horror movies are number one that if the church has something spiritually dynamic that people are really gonna be afraid? I think it's a lie from hell to get us to shrink back. Then don't talk about that kind of stuff because people get really freaked out. How in the world are we okay with half of the stuff in our society as it is? I think people will go, are you really telling me that the stuff that I'm attracted to in the world is actually real but it comes from God? Are you telling me that? Yes, sir, I'm telling you that. Yes, ma'am, I'm telling you that. But you can't control it. That's the difference between witchcraft. Witchcraft is where we try to control reality going through another spirit. But how many of you know you get defiled in the process because they control you? It's a deception of the highest kind. But when we submit and yield to the Holy Spirit, we can't tell him what to do. He speaks to us. We just say, thank you. <laughs> That's what I tell the Lord. I say, Lord, I, I, whatever you have to say to me, great. I just don't want you to stop. Whatever it is, I'll, I, that's okay, but I just don't want you to stop. I, I just want to continue to hear. I'm okay with anything. And I don't think anything's hard to hear from God. It's about having the ears to hear. Every word from God is a good word, whether it's for you or for you for, through you for someone else. Every word from God, even if it's difficult. How many of you know if God gives you a difficult word for somebody, it could save them five years of nonsense, how many parents know what I'm talking about? You see your kids going down the wrong road, and you know you've got the answer to that. They don't want to hear it, right? God's a father, and he prophetically knows where we're going and where our decisions are leading us. And there are times where he speaks to us, and if we're in tune to him, we're going to hear things for people, and even words that make us uncomfortable. And I'm not suggesting that if you're beginning that you should really get used to that, I'm saying grow, and then maybe you can grow to the place where that would be okay. But what if we are carrying those kinds of things for people and we can help them to avoid total nonsense in, the, in their life, right? Isn't that amazing to think that you are carrying the capacity to help change someone's life? I mean, I, it's, just, it's, it's amazing to me. But Paul said, don't quench the spirit. Don't despise prophetic utterances. This church had many false prophets who were making lofty and false predictions. Jesus had returned and so on. And this is a, a good example of an environment that had shut down to that spiritual dimension and the prophetic utterances, also speaking in tongues and other things. They had shut that down based on abuse. And as a result of that, they won't see the fruit of what that brings. And it's, it's amazing when we obviously see how that works. Now, the word quench, the spirit, the best illustration I have is when you're washing a car and for whatever reason, the hose gets kinked. Don't you hate that? The hose just gets kinked and then you got to like shake it out and that doesn't work. And you're like, oh, and you actually got to go up to where that is and straighten it out somehow. That's the idea is that quench. There's a flow of water 
and somehow the hose kinks that flow, and so that thing that you need to happen can't happen until it's unquenched. That's the idea. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. Don't quench the flow, which brings power and penetration to people's lives. Don't quench that. Don't despise prophetic utterance. When we despise the things of the Spirit, we are quenching the Holy Spirit. If there's something in us that's resistant to the things of the Spirit, then we're going to quench what he, what, he, what he wants to do. And pray for your leaders. If you're a part of this church, pray for me. Pray for us that we figure out how to facilitate this. Pray for your leaders that they figure that out. It's not easy as a leader to figure it out, but we need prayer, and we're asking, I'm asking you to pray for us to do that. Don't criticize them, just pray for them, okay? So like if you go to Ignite Chapel, pray for Ryan, amen? Pray for Ryan, right? He's back there. If you go to Ignite Chapel, pray for him. He doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. We love him, though. We love him, Pastor. We love you, man. We don't know what we're doing. All We want to facilitate what God wants to do. And, and so, yes, the burden can be on us to help release the people of God. But instead of criticize, you've got to pray and press in for that. Now, let me just kind of close with some of the things that are on the back of your notes. These are like different stages of growing in the prophetic. You guys good? Everybody with me? All right, don't fade. I see a couple of you just... You know, it's okay. If I start yelling, maybe you'll come alive. But different stages of growing in the prophetic. The first is what I call the beginner. And these are people who are just starting to step up. This is where you got to be really careful if you're going to start listening to the Lord and speaking what you believe he's saying. This is where you do not say things like, God told me to tell you. Don't say that, okay? Just say, I have a sense. I saw a picture. I had a vision. You don't have to step beyond that. It doesn't, you don't have to do that. You don't have to make stuff up. Just share what you have. That's the principle. Share what you have. Don't get yourself into trouble. Because when people say, God told me to tell you, that can't even be tested and weighed. You understand? It's like, well, how can I say something to that? You just said, God told you. So we don't want to be definitive when you're a beginner, okay? Just be honest about where you are. It's crucial that uh, not for those of us that are receiving, but those who are judging people that are beginning, like when people are really growing in this, we've got to be careful because I've heard this stuff where it's like, well, if they had a prophetic gift or if it was a real prophetic word, you know, it'd be really, it'd be like Isaiah in the book of Isaiah, right? It'd be 100% accurate. I'm like, really? That's, you really think that's how that works? It's like there's no understanding of growth. There's no concept of discipleship. I mean, even think about how the, we teach the Bible if you had that concept, like, you have to be at like Jesus' level of teaching overnight. How many of you know that does not work? Like if you had a gift of teaching, you would teach like Jesus and have the same results like right away. Nobody ever says that. They only say it about the supernatural gifts. See, there's no concept of growth, which means that people can be shut down because they don't have a license to grow. So I give a license to grow. Here's a license. Not a license to sin or be ridiculous or express your psychosis, whatever might be in there. I've been around it all. I've been around all the weird stuff. You could tell me your weird stories. I bet you I got a bunch more. I'll tell you what. I got some great ones. And the Lord's asked me to give words in some of the most difficult circumstances where I know I'm going to give this word. It's going to cost me a lot. And so I had to fast about that and go, Lord, I need to know this is you. I need to know this is you. And I had to count the cost. I don't want to just share words and look cool or feel cool. I want the fruit of the prophetic word. 
I want it to happen. I want somebody's life to change. I want somebody to be encouraged. I want direction to come. I want insight and revelation on someone's life. I want somebody being affirmed. I want somebody to have confirmation about what they believe God's telling. This is what we're after. I'm not after just kind of like goosebumps and frills and gimmicks, you know, and good conferences. I'm after the fruit of the prophetic or the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so when we're in the beginning stage, we've just got to have a lot of grace for that. I used to have people come here. We've been doing this 11 years probably, uh, having these kinds of meetings. And I've seen thousands of people in this building, you know, over that time. And they don't all stay. And, and I've watched people and how they interact and react to some of the material, even the Bible, right? The Bible that we say we believe. I've watched people interact and react to these kinds of things, and we talk about hearing the voice of God, and I've seen it when it comes to like this beginner idea that um, we don't have, folks don't have grace for people to grow in this. Like, well, what if somebody makes a mistake? And I go, well, then they make a mistake. They say they're sorry. That's what we usually do when we make a mistake. But see, what I'm doing is I'm teaching people that are beginners to not act like they're mature. So that's a healthy thing. See? So this is a good environment. It's like a personal coach or a trainer to help people grow to that stage. And if that's where you are, don't act like or talk like or learn terminology that speaks like you're beyond where you are, okay? And so we have grace for one another as we grow. It's very important. And I've watched people not have that grace for development, and that's, again, why the prophetic gift doesn't grow is because we don't have a grace for it to grow. Okay. Everybody get that? I don't think I could say that again because it was pretty much did it. Okay, the second is like the immature. Now, I have a scripture there, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 through 3. And this isn't about the prophetic gift, I know that, but it's really where Paul's talking to a church and they're about six to seven years old in the Lord. That's approximately how long they've been Christians that he's writing to. And he says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual men, but as to men of flesh. As to infants in Christ, I personally wouldn't like to be on the other end of that. Okay. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not yet able, for you are still fleshly. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, you're, are you not fleshly and are you not walking like mere men? At six to seven years old as a Christian, Paul had an expectation for them to be further than they were. He had an expectation for them to be further than they were. If you've been walking with Jesus for six to seven years, he's telling them, I wish I could speak more to you, but I can't because of the way you live and the way you act. That's not a good scripture to read if you're on the other end of that and you were directly being addressed. So they were reading that going like, whoa, okay. But they were striving and divisions and all these things that were happening in the church, and he was addressing them as an apostle. He wanted them to know that this is coming in between their fruitfulness what God has for them. He wishes that he could talk to them about more things. My point is, is that there are immature people in the church. And that actually trans, that, that goes into, that seeps into spiritual gifts. And so you're going to have people that are going to say weird stuff. And, and usually in charismatic or Pentecostal circles, there are people that always say, God told me. They always say it. God, told, God just put it on my heart. God just told me. Shauna, God just told me to tell you that you're amazing. You're just like a flower, just blooming all the time. You're awesome. <laughs> You're just awesome. That's you. He just told me that right now. Just wanted me to tell you that. That's just like simple stuff. God just told me to go get margarine at the store. You know, God just told me. He told me. He told me whole milk. Get rid of that 2%. Seriously. I'm telling you what. 
No more white bread, man. We're going with the square. That's, it was God. He told me that. I know for sure. It was God. I go to the south a couple times a year, and everything God told me. In Western, you know, in Washington, you don't hear it as much, but I'll tell you, if you travel in the body of Christ, you hear it all the time. God told me to tell you. God told me. He put it in my heart. He told me. And, and that sounds cute, but it's not really, God isn't saying all that stuff. And what ends up happening is the spiritual currency of that terminology, God told me, you know, it's like pennies on the dollar. When we spend it, it means nothing, right? It means nothing. Somebody says, God told me, we should go, what? What did he say? But instead of, instead of like perking up and going, what, what did he say? We're like, oh, cool, thanks for that, thanks for that. It's really, it's like a pat on the back. God told me to tell you. Do you feel the weight of that? I mean, I hope you do. God, God created heavens and earth. God told me to tell you. That shouldn't be a cheap thing to say. Anybody agree with me on that? We shouldn't be like throwing that out like candy, all right? However, that's, I'm, I'm going to say that, and I'm going to put, put that here. But I'm going to step over here, and I'm going to say something else. At the same time, we have grace to grow as we make mistakes. Those mistakes aren't intentional. When you're a beginner, you have to know there's grace to grow, and you don't need to be afraid. But if you're a person that's immature, and you just bypass being teachable, and you throw out, God told me, God told me all the time, I want to give you a big, big insight. If that's you or someone you know, don't tell me for a second that people take that person seriously. I know they don't. As a leader, when somebody says that all the time, I don't take what they're saying as seriously. I'm not saying I don't take it seriously. I don't take it as seriously. Because I know that they're very casual with what they're saying. Here's one of my goals. One of my goals is to be the kind of person that when I say, I believe the Lord is saying this, that you can't help but listen. That's one of my goals. I want to be the guy that people call or people listen to when he says, I believe the Lord is saying this. That's the kind of testimony that I want to leave behind. That I'll pay a price for it. I'll pay a price for it. That means I have to be a man of prayer. I have to be a man of integrity. I have to be a man of the word of God. I have to be this kind of a person. Or people will not respond the same way. They'll think I'm acting casually. It comes with a cost. But when you grow to that, what I'm saying is you can't stay stuck in immaturity. So you've got to learn things in your development that don't keep you this immature person because my goal is to help people even that are stuck in those places where they learn terminology and they learn weird stuff. Um, we get people that come back from all these schools and I pray for them. I'm, I'm gonna get a little in trouble right now, but I'm gonna say it anyways. Um, so people will come and I'm super, like I am a Pentecostal. And what I mean by that is I just believe in the power of the spirit. I, I don't really know what Pentecostal means in Tennessee. I don't really know what it means in Alabama. I don't really know what it means to you. But to me, I believe Pentecost happened in the book of Acts, and I believe the outpouring of the Spirit is still available. That's what I mean by it. Gifts of the Spirit are still happening. God's still baptizing people with the Holy Spirit. I'm charismatic. I believe in all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Here's the thing, though. What some people mean when they talk about that is not what I mean. What some people do when they, when they reference the Holy Spirit, that's not necessarily what I mean. I have an allowance for manifestations. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes things happen. People fall. People twitch. People shake. Some of that's the Holy Spirit. Some of it's not. I don't really know, and I don't have to be the umpire. Praise God for that. I'm not in there calling fouls on everything. Well, that's not God. You know, I don't even care. <laughs> I don't even care. I don't need to know. I don't need to know everything. 
okay? If it's distracting, I'll deal with it, okay? And if it's demonic, I'll deal with it. But if I don't know, I mean, I just, okay. Uh, but my point is, is that I, 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 people will come and they'll say things to me. I, I remember having guys come up and go, I'd start to pray for them and they go, I'm going to manifest. And I just look at them and go, don't. <laughs> just don't. I've got this, <laughs> some of you are not even sure exactly what I'm talking about yet. There are environments where people go and they learn how to do stuff and it's not the Holy Spirit. And so then it becomes a learned thing. I'm trying to help people unlearn so that what we do is of the Holy Spirit. That's all I'm saying. I'm saying whatever you do, do it because it's the Holy Spirit. But don't say it's the Holy Spirit if it's not the Holy Spirit. Unlearn what you learned. Send it back to where you got it. Take the good from what that environment gave to you, the truth and the right stuff. Take all that, receive that, but then leave all the stuff that doesn't need to keep going with you. I remember I had a woman in our ministry, she used to explain to me, like, how to give spiritual birth to, like, intercession and all this stuff. I'm like, you were talking to a grown man. <laughs> and she just thought I was not spiritual. And I just said, hey, if that's you, go for, you know, you do you, man. You do you. But she just thought, this is what she told me. This is, she said, you know, you're going to hit this place in the Lord when you start having like this spiritual pregnancy, spiritual birth thing happen. You'll know what I'm talking about. I'm like, I mean, is it going to help me share the gospel? I mean, I don't really, I mean, I, it, 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 her concept of what the Holy Spirit does had to be for everybody. And she just didn't get it. And so what ended up happening is everybody around her had a hard time talking to her. But I had a heart for her. I wasn't just going to say, oh, she's weird, because I don't think that's right. I don't think we have the right to do that. Do you? I don't think it's okay just to walk away and go, that person's stupid, or that person's weird. I mean, we shouldn't talk like that. That person's created in the image of God. That person loves the Lord. And that person might be genuinely experiencing God. I don't need to be their judge. But it's when they start to project. That's when, as a pastor, as a leader, I start to help people walk through that process, because they she learned in a ministry that she was a part of that this is what the Holy Spirit does. And so now she's trying to tell everybody else this is what the Holy Spirit does. Listen, none of us want to be the kind of people that everybody else around us doesn't believe us. Does anybody want to be that kind of a person? No, because what you say is cheap. Don't become that kind of a person. Learn, grow, take risks, okay? But be, this is the word I'm going to use, entreatable. Be humble, so that if you share a word with somebody, you don't say it in a way that they can't ask you questions. You are not God. And if you talk in an authoritative way, you're, you're taking away the stages of growth that you have yet to come to. Words are, we're going to talk next week about how words are tested. Words are weighed. You've got to leave that allowance for people. And if you haven't learned that, you need to learn it. We need to learn that. Hey, I sense that this is what the Lord is saying to you. It's not less spiritual to say that than God's telling you. I, I've watched it. I, I've watched people speak too authoritatively, and then everybody doesn't trust what that person has, has to say. I'm, I've watched it for a long time now. I, I, I want to restore what God is saying in one sense, like when we use that terminology. But in the other one, I want to also promote growth. It's a tension that I'm going to walk. I'm trying to do it well. I hope I communicated it to you, both sides. But there's an immature stage that we don't want to stay at. And the way that we stay immature in the prophetic is by being not teachable, not humble, and learning terminology that keeps us from other people listening to us.
or ways of being. Okay, number three is false. Sometimes people have a confusion over false prophets. There's a difference between a false word and a false prophet. A false prophet, according to scripture, and I could give you lots of scriptures, uh, Acts chapter 13, this is obviously past the first several verses, Deuteronomy 18, which is a really a messianic, prophetic uh, scripture, and then Jeremiah talks about how there were prophets that were speaking delusions of their own mind, okay, this is what Jeremiah was saying. However, all of those are unregenerate, non-Christian people that are not hearing from the Holy Spirit because they don't have the Holy Spirit. False prophets are unregenerate people. They are not followers of Jesus. They may say they're followers of Jesus, but they're not. God knows who they are. A false word, a word that is spoken in the name of the Lord that could be, in fact, false or not come to pass, those don't necessitate somebody being a false prophet. You might give a word to somebody, and it may not come to pass. It may not be, you might have misinterpreted that. You might have misunderstood what God was saying, and you might have said it, and, and that's what you thought he was saying, but it was a little bit off. You might have had some presumption or assumption as you were sharing that word. That happens to people all the time. I watch it happen all the time. And so I'm always trying to get to the root of what the word is. I'm listening, right? especially with like dreams and dream interpretation. I have watched that for years be so far off. The Christians try to get into that, and, and you got to be careful. You know, it, 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 I've seen people gifted in it, but you can't be like fishing. And so it's important that we realize false prophets are not Christians, false words. Christians can give words that don't come to pass or aren't from the Lord because they misunderstood what God was saying. That, again, is part of missing it and making mistakes. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I can't wait to speak in the name of the Lord and totally blow it. <laughs> That's my goal. And if you do, if you're in this room and you wake up in the morning and you really are excited about giving it a go and missing uh, this isn't the class for you. I just want to say, like, you online viewers, we love you, but this is not the right place. I mean, I just sat. I sat in front of thousands of people. I mean, they had psychic booths. They had, they were doing live seances and levitations. I was just there. This was like last weekend. I was just there. They're doing all this stuff around us. And I'm just seeking to hear God's voice and, I, and, and say to people what, you know, I had this, we put up this sign, David was with me, right, David? This, I put up a sign that said, free encouraging words. <laughs> you know, because they don't know what prophecy means or whatever. Free book, free encouraging words. We start off with, you're amazing. I figure that's pretty cool. But then you just move on from there and you ask the Lord to give you stuff for people. But we're going to go into that stuff. You know, you think we should go into those kinds of places? Don't you guys think we should go to that stuff? I remember when we, when we first, uh, when I first went to the School of the Prophets about 15 years ago, that's what we did. They would take us to like psychic fairs, and they put up, uh, they would put up a booth, a tent, and they actually had to rent them, and the tent would say, uh, free spiritual readings. That's what it said. And so you're with psychics and new age people and crystals, and they're trying to, you know, read all this stuff on your palm, and I'm just like, wow, go for it, man. That's just weird. <laughs> And I go, okay, now can I pray for you? And they go, sure. And then you go for it, right, in Jesus' name. And they're like, oh, my gosh, I just feel this light. It's just so overwhelming. And I go, that's Jesus. <laughs> right. If you're getting weirded out, it's okay. I actually think we're afraid to confront the darkness because we don't love people enough. People are afraid. They're afraid. They're afraid of, like, witches. They're just deceived warlocks and oh man I've got some good stories you guys don't have time do you 
So I remember, okay, so we led this guy to the Lord, and he was a Satanist, right? And everything that went with that, I'll leave all, this, all of that out because it's really bad what goes with that. But black magic, Satanism, all this stuff. He says, hey, I want you to go to Denny's with me because my buddy's a waiter there, and he's from the same coven or whatever they call it when you're a Satanist. I, the witches call it covens. I don't know what Satan is called. But anyways, hey, I want you to go to Denny's. He's the waiter. He's going to get off, and I want, let's do a Bible study there. I'm like, well, that's a good idea. Let's go do a Bible study at Denny's where your Satanist friend is going to serve us food. Does anybody else think that doesn't sound like a great idea? He's going to serve me food. This, he's still a Satanist, so. Okay, so let's go. So we go, and I'm there, and, and I'm talking to this guy, and he hadn't seen his friend for, since his conversion to Christ. And so he sees my Bible on the table, the guy that's the waiter, and he comes up, and he, like, literally starts to choke. I mean, he starts to, like, like this as he walks up to the table. This stuff really happens. He starts to choke, like, and then he tries to throw my Bible off the table, and I went, bink. <laughs> I'll take coffee, sir. He tries to throw my Bible off the table. And we finally got him to sit down, and the guy that I was discipling that came out of Satanism told him his whole testimony. It was so powerful. God radically encountered him, and he gave his life to Jesus. He actually had an encounter as a young boy that tethered him to the knowledge of God, but he rebelled so hard, he went into this extreme Satanism. And it's hard to believe that it happened, but it did. And as he's telling him this, it's like just waves and waves of God's truth are just penetrating this guy. You can see his face just lightening up. He's just, like his countenance is blown away. And before you know it, there was actually several other guys that came that were part of this Satanism group. And they all came and they sat down with us. And I'm sharing the gospel with like all these different guys based on his testimony. It was super, super powerful. And like, you know, it's got a group of these guys just are like manifesting at the table. But you know what's crazy is, is like, I just, I remember kind of that, that st I didn't even remember that story until now. But I remember this kind of stuff happening to me, and it was that we weren't afraid to go and be with people that were involved in darkness. Because we weren't afraid of the darkness. I just believe people were deceived. And if they could see the light, and we could bring that to them with supernatural power, because these guys are locked in the supernatural power of the dark kind. But we're carrying power that supersedes all of that, right? But the church has got to yield to what God's given to us, and that's all I'm talking about. I'm talking about if we could get equipped in what God's given to us, we won't be afraid of what all these other people are doing, and people will be attracted to it because it's really God. It's really God. So there's a lot of false out there, but it's not Christians that are missing it. And they're just growing in the Lord. And so we have a license to grow here. And the, and the last was the mature. There, there are mature, uh, obviously. 1 Samuel 3.19 is really powerful about Samuel the prophet. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, as he grew, and he let none of his words fall to the ground. And all of Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognized that Samuel was attested or approved as a prophet of the Lord. That's, that's what we're going after is like if we want to grow, you may not be a prophet, but you can speak the things that the Lord is telling you, and you can be approved in a community. I've been at this church for, uh, Bridget, I, 12 years, something like that. We've been here for 12 years. So the words that I've shared in this church, from the pulpit, from the prayer teams, the prophetic words that I've shared, guess what, friends? They're accountable. Because I'm here all the time. If I say God told me, it's not like going to the mall where I can just 
drop bombs and walk away and never see them, you know. But when I share words here, those words are accountable, and I've had to give an account for those words. And when we're planted in a place, that's where we really start to grow in the prophetic. And I would say this actually applies to many of the other gifts as well. We could talk about evangelism. We could talk so many other gifts we could put in the same category of how things grow. But this is just part of what I think will help us. Now, I uh, added to your notes uh, the same things that I focused on last week which was revelation, interpretation, administration, and application. And it's important that this is a process, a grid that we're going to talk about again next week. But here's what I want to do. I want to say this to you guys and and the people that are watching as well. Next week, uh, we have over 200 people registered for this class. And so uh, then there's people that aren't registered as well. But here's what I want to do next week. And if you can come, I want you to come because we're going to pray. I want to lay hands on everybody that comes. And I want to ask God to impart, right, impart to us not just a fire, like I'm really excited, but like a new fire to hear his voice and to prophesy. And I believe that will come with confidence. If you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, if you're not immersed in the power of God, I mean, you know if you are. I, I don't know. I'm not here to tell you if you are. If you're not immersed in the power of God and this isn't active in you, I mean, it's not coming out of you, and you're just kind of tired of being a Christian that says they believe in stuff, but you're not living it out, come next week like you're expecting God to move. Because I'm coming next week expecting God to move with us. That's what I'm coming for. I'm not coming for less. I'm asking God to move in his people. I'm asking God to pour out his spirit. I'm asking God to activate everyone that comes and we're gonna, I'm going to teach a little bit, but I'm going to lay hands on everybody, that he would activate what we have talked about so that it's not just talk, but it's real. If it scares you a little bit, good, good, come and be prayed for and expect God to do something, right? So my daughter is 10, and since she was three, when we pray, she always expects God to move now. That's what I love about kids It's like, are you healed? I just prayed. Why wouldn't it happen? (laughs) And then we like give her all this theology. Well, because, you know, the now and the not yet. And, (laughs) you know, but she's just so simple. And I think that if we could also become like this, childlike, not childish, but childlike in our faith, I think we would see God move a whole lot more than we have and than we do. And so I'm inviting you into childlike faith, and I'm asking you to come expecting. Would you come and would you even maybe even fast next Wednesday? Say no to food. If you can't medically, then don't do that. But if you can, fast. Seek the Lord. God, I need you to move in my life. Get your appetites to change. You know, get off your phone. Get off your music. Get off your stuff on Wednesday and seek the Lord. Put yourself in front of God. I challenge people all the time. I I challenge them to just put their media away. I'm telling you, if we could just put our media away, we'd start to hear God more. That's what I'm convinced of. We read books about the men and women of old, and we're so inspired, but then we're like this, and then we're like this. Man, I really just, gosh, I really appreciate, I just really appreciate these saints of old, you know, the A.W. Tozers and all those guys. Wow, they're amazing. Oh, wow, look at this. Wow, look at that. That's amazing. And it's gone before we even, right? See, because we have a better relationship with our iPhone than we do with the Lord. Did I say that, Kimberly? Okay, wow. All right, that was a little bit of a sword, I admit it. But if his shoe fits, you know, kick it off.